Good morning, everyone. Hey, good to have all of you at all our churches. Hey, today, before we get into our second part of our series entitled Taking Responsibility for Your Life, I just want to give a reminder and an opportunity to all of you, because we believe that this fall is one of the greatest opportunities yet to live out our mission of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, because what's happening is on all of our campuses, we're having more first-time guests, more returning guests, which is why today on your seat was this card inviting you to explore whether serving on one of our teams, you can see different teams that we're going to be doing trainings for, whether that's a great fit for you in this next season. Because the reality is um, we are expecting to see more and more growth as we go through this fall, and we're staffed for the level we are now, but we're going to have to, in order to grow, we have to have more people um, manning each um, those areas of ministry. And on the back of the card, uh, you can see... Um, the student ministry, children's ministry, adult um, guest services, adult small group leaders, whatever area of ministry that maybe God is prompting you saying, it's time for you to get involved, time for you to engage in the process. Um, all of our campuses will be coming together on our Mariana campus for these different trainings. Uh, I think it's going to be a time that's inspiring, uh, great vision casting, but also what it will do is if you're not serving one of these areas of ministry, it will give you the opportunity to figure out, oh, this might be a great fit for me. So we would love to have you be a part of that. There's going to be food. There will also be child care available for that process. So it kind of give you an insider view as we go into the fall, kind of uh, ramping up your opportunities to say, hey, here's an opportunity for me to help lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. On that card, there is a QR code, um, and you can take your phone, scan that, and uh, it'll take you right to a place where you can sign up to say, hey, I'm going to be attending that. If you attend, it's not you saying I'm going to be serving in that area, but it's, all, it's just a way for you to kind of look and see uh, for the opportunity. Because one of the things that happens with all of our teams, they do such a great job of making sure that all our ministries are done well with excellence because we believe excellence honors God and inspires people that oftentimes you don't see how stretched they are. In fact, our children's ministry on all three of our campuses, people serving those areas, it has been stretched beyond um, any other time in the 28 years I've been pastoring this church. In fact, um, each um, children's ministry director has told me sometime in the last month or two, hey, if we had one or two more people call out, we were going to have to close down Wombaland or we're going to have to close down Upstreet for that Sunday morning. I mean, that's how close they run sometimes. In fact, on the Mary Anna campus a couple weeks ago, between Friday and Sunday, we we had 28 people call out in children's ministry. That's just, I mean, that's unreal. I mean, and for them to pull that off, in fact, the ministry director here told me, he said, if I have two more people call out this morning, that was on Sunday morning as I'm walking over to the auditorium, she goes, we're going to have to shut down Wombaland. And I'm like, I have never heard that kind of language come out of any of our ministry leaders in the 28 years I've been pastoring. And so it's an opportunity, and I think a lot of times we just don't know, and so we just wanted to let you know, okay, there are some major gaps, major holes, 
goals. Um, and our teams are doing amazing. So I want you to make sure you thank Wombaland and Upstreet um, leaders and kid care leaders um, when you're picking them up, when you're picking your children up today from those ministry areas, because they're doing such a good job that you don't even notice the gaps, but they are stretched to the max. And we have some people serving two services and they don't get to attend a, a worship service. And one of our uh, values is also to work one, worship one. So, um, just make sure that you know there are many opportunities for you to engage in helping us fulfill our mission. So just wanted to lay that out to you as we begin this, um, especially as people are coming off of vacation and, and getting back in school, and we, we know that there's just going to be even greater need. So we want to ma maximize the opportunity to minister. So thank you for always stepping up as a church. I know you'll do it again. And uh, just also, some of you have never served, this gives you an opportunity to engage at another level. So go ahead and take out those talk notes that were in your worship guide, and uh, let's get into today's talk, because we're on a series on taking responsibility for your life, and part of taking responsibility for your life is also helping to serve others, as we're going to see as well. And uh, one of the things that's interesting, whenever you do a series on taking responsibility for your life, you wonder that by the second week if anybody is going to show up. Um, because we don't like to be told to be taking responsibility for our life, right? So thank you so much for coming back after last week. And I just want to welcome all of you who are joining us for the very first time at all of our churches and uh, just kind of bring you up to speed. In this series, what we're doing is we're talking about what I believe is one of the most important gifts that can help you truly succeed in life, in your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. It's a gift that I believe will ensure that the future is so much better than the past. And you say, what is that gift? Well, we're talking about this amazing gift of being able to respond to circumstances and situations in a God-honoring and a mature kind of way. It's our respondability. Our ability to choose a response rather than simply to react to circumstances and situations in our life. It is the gift of the choice that you and I have to take responsibility for our lives. We do not have to live our lives as a victim. And as we said last week, and as we've said throughout, or we'll say throughout this whole series, is um, you're going to discover as we go through these talks that there are going to be some areas of your life that you're going to discover that you're not being very responsible in. And, and oftentimes we're not aware because it's so easy to look out the window and spot irresponsibility in other people, but it's very hard to look in the mirror and see it and spot it in ourselves. Because, see, we all have our reasons, or you could say we all have our lies and excuses for why we justify the choices that we make. Now, here's the thing that I do know, and this is what you know, is that we have no control over what life throws at us, right? We have no control of that. We, we just have to experience life. But this gift of respondability, what it does it, has, it gives you the ability to responsibly respond to bad things and turn bad things into good things. It empowers you to turn wrong things into right things. It has the powers you're going to see from God's Word today to change the course and the direction of your life. And what it does also in your life is it keeps you from just simply reacting to circumstances and making worse decisions or bad decisions in the process. And that is so important because here's what happens. Whenever we react to circumstances or situations, instead of like thoughtfully responding to them, what we do is we surrender the outcomes and the control of that situation to something or somebody else instead of ourselves. 
So the truth is, reacting to our circumstances instead of responding to them, what it does, it just sets you up to become a reflection of the things that you despise in life and the people that you do not respect. But this gift of respondability, to take responsibility for the outcomes and the actions, man, it has the potential to help you truly experience the God-honoring life that God designed you to experience in your life. So if you were not with us last week, last week we learned a few foundational truths about responsibility. So I want to go back to those. And if you um, were not with us, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that talk. We, we learned this, is that we were created, we learned this from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 3, we were created to be responsible. Literally, before sin entered the world, God gave humans responsibility. Work and responsibility is not a result of sin. Before sin entered the world, God gave humans responsibility. It is hardwired in us to be responsible, which is why we gave you the second point. We learned that we are the happiest when we are responsible. See, to choose to be irresponsible based on what we looked at last week in Genesis is to underline, undermine your long-term happiness. And that is so important. And so we learned also that conflict is the price that you pay for irresponsibility. Like every irresponsible choice that I make, what it does is it creates conflict between me and God, between me and others, and between me and me. And the reason is, is because when I am irresponsible, I am not at peace with myself, I'm not at peace with God, and I'm not at peace with anybody else when I choose to live irresponsibly. And so if you miss that and you want to go back and catch up or share that with a friend, I would encourage you because we put the full version of the talk on our website, you can go to rivertown.cc forward slash messages and you can find all the messages in the series with some discussion questions in order to take this conversation outside of this room and even apply it deeper into your life. Now today for our second step in this whole conversation is we want to talk to you about a powerful principle and quite honestly I don't think we can overstate the importance of what we are about to talk about. I think what happens is most of us we way underestimate the impact of this principle that we're going to be talking about from God's word today because this principle what it will do is it will help you understand why you are where you are in all the different areas of your life. And then it's going to help you understand how to move from those areas of your life to where you want to be in your relationship with God and with others. In other words, if you're not where you want to be in a certain area of your life, what this principle we're going to look at today will do is it will explain how you got there. But more importantly, it's going to explain how you can change that. And here's the other thing. The opposite is true also. If you are in an area of your life and you love it, this principle is going to explain why you love being in a certain area and how you got there and make sure that you can stay in that kind of mind frame that keeps you in an area that you are right now in your relationship with God and others. Now, here's why that is so important. If things are going well for you in an area of your life, with your relationship with God, with your relationship with your family, with your relationship with maybe your coworkers, but you don't understand how you got to that place, 
then it is very likely that you could make some unintentional decisions that would literally undermine your success in your relationship with God or you're with other people later on in your life. So what we're going to do today is we're going to try to connect those dots and simply give you a game plan to help you get from where you are, where you're saying, man, I don't like where I'm at in my relationship with God or with other people or my family to where you need to go so that you're living that fully devoted God-honoring life. So to kind of set that up, I want to give you, and I want to start out with an idea from maybe your high school, maybe your physics class, and, and talk about a principle that's going to set up this principle that we're going to really try to drive home today. And it is this principle, the Archimedes principle. Now, the Archimedes principle states this. Any object completely or partially submerged in a fluid experiences an upward force equal in the magnitude to the weight of the fluid displaced by the object. Everybody got that? If you don't, just ask your physics teacher, right? Let me just go ahead and simplify you for this for you in kind of redneck language. The Archimedes principle says, this is why boats float and why rocks sink, right? See, the reason that boats float is because the weight of the water displaced by the boat is greater than the weight of the boat, and that's why boats float. See, a rock doesn't displace enough water, so guess what? The weight is greater than the weight of the water displaced. Therefore, what happens to a rock? You know what happens. You throw it in the water, it's going to sink, right? So now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you understand or can explain this. What matters is, is that you know that this principle is true. I mean, you know that boats float, and you know that rocks sink, right? Whenever you throw a rock in the water, what's it going to do, float or sink? You know it's going to sink. We just know that. And the other thing is, nobody's up and thinking that God is up in heaven, kind of arbitrarily choosing which boat is going to sink this weekend and which one's not. Like, oh, this one I think we're going to let it float, and that one's going to sink. No, no. In fact, if you own a boat, you don't wake up any morning when you're going to take your boat out wondering, I wonder if my boat's going to float or sink today. I mean, we just know that this principle is true. It is consistent and always true. A seaworthy boat always floats. And you know that because of the Archimedes principle. But here's the thing you have to understand. As with all laws of the universe, right, Archimedes did not invent this. He just discovered it. He, he just found out it was true because it's always been true. It was true before he discovered it. It's not a good principle or a bad principle. It's just a fact of life. This is the way things work. And it's always consistent. It's always consistent that if this principle is in play, it's going to have a specific outcome. And the principle is always in play. Now, the reason we bring that up is because we're going to be talking about a principle today that is just like that. It's not a good or bad principle. It just is. And it's always consistent. It's always been true. But here's the thing you need to understand. There is one difference. This principle that we're about to talk about, it doesn't have immediate consequences. Nothing floats or sinks immediately. See, this principle carries with it immediate consequences. You know the impact immediately. But the principle we're going to talk about today, and this is why we underestimate the power of this principle in our life that we're going to look at from Galatians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn there. Because in this principle, there is a delayed response. 
And just because you don't see the results immediately does not mean that there is a response that is not happening. So let me go ahead and give you the principle, and then we're going to dig into it from Scripture for how to apply this truth from God's Word to our life. Here is the principle, and that is this. People reap what they sow. This principle is always true. And this principle pretty much explains everything in your life, that people reap what they sow. Now, here's the thing about this principle that's different than the Archimedes principle. They usually don't reap immediately. But eventually, everybody reaps what they sow. See, and God's not in heaven again arbitrarily choosing who's going to reap what they sow. No, it's just the same for everybody. Everybody reaps what they sow. So in Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this principle. And he talks about it in, in regards to how it relates to us taking responsibility for life. And then he talks about how we can use it to get from where we are in certain areas of our life to where we want to be in our relationship with God in our relationship with others. So if you got your Bibles, follow along. You can follow along on the screen or in your talk notes to Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Here's what he says. Brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Now, do you know what sin is? I mean, there's multiple definitions of sin, but basically sin is whenever I violate God's law or God's holiness. So sin in this context is choosing to live irresponsibly. It's not handling the responsibilities that God has given you in a particular area of your life. It's to choose to be irresponsible toward God. It's to choose to be irresponsible toward someone else. So whenever I put my interest above my responsibility to God and my responsibility to others, basically I am going to fall into the trap of sin. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, when that happens and you see someone doing that, those of you that see that happening and you love that person around you, you need to step in. And he says, you need to gently, and this is an important word, especially for us men, especially for us fathers. He says, you need to gently point out the irresponsibility that's going on in that person's life and help them choose to be responsible. Now, for some of you, that can be a little bit intimidating to go, oh, I need to step in and speak into their life about them being irresponsible. If that doesn't intimidate you, then you probably need to apply the gentle principle, right? If you're like gung-ho, yeah, I'll tell them, then you need to listen to what the Apostle Paul said about being gentle. But for others of you, that's kind of intimidating. You go, why would he tell us to do that? Here's why. Because the Apostle Paul knows this principle is true. And it's true for always and all times and every person. People reap what they sow. And then there's something else about this principle we're going to tell you in a little bit is why he says, man, this is why you need to be talking about this. Because it would be very unloving to watch somebody sow selfishness and sinfulness and irresponsibility as a result of selfishness and sinfulness and not warn them about it. Because you know they're going to have devastating outcomes. So the Apostle Paul says, you need, if you see this happening in somebody else's life, you need to step, step in and help someone. But he says, you be very careful about this. 
Because in the process, he says, you need to watch yourselves because in the process of pointing out somebody else's sin or somebody else's irresponsibility, he says, you might get a little puffed up, you might get a little smug, you might get a little filled with pride and not start seeing your own irresponsibility and then you fall into the same temptation. So he goes on then in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And you go, well, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about everybody should take responsibility for their life. Well, what's interesting about this word burden here is the idea of there are daily burdens, but this idea of burdens here is that it's a burden bigger than just our average daily burdens. So why should I come along and help someone else carry their burden? Because that's part of being responsible. We have the responsibility, and he's reminding us of that, that we have the responsibility to fulfill the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is to love one another the way that Jesus loves us. And so part of coming along and fulfilling that responsibility is to help them carry their burden. If you see them getting overwhelmed, getting overloaded, you come along and help them carry the burden. Now, here is why that's important. He's saying you help them carry a burden that's overloading them. But it does not mean that you enable irresponsible behavior. It does not mean that you enable irresponsible behavior. But it does mean that I should encourage people who are being responsible. Let me just again speak to us fathers because it's so oftentimes that we fall into the trap of not encouraging our children when we see them being responsible. Instead, every time we see them being irresponsible, we point that out. And I remember years ago, I had a counselor tell me, listen, you got to say 10 to 15 positive things for every negative thing that you say to your child. And so after a while, we just exasperate our children. They become exasperated. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 not to do that. So it means I should come along, encourage people to be responsible, and then encourage them as they're being responsible. But he takes us on to verse 3. He says, so if anyone thinks there's something when they are not, like they're the most responsible person in the world room, then they deceive themselves. In other words, what he's saying is, it's really easy to see the irresponsibility in others, but it is really hard to see the irresponsibility in myself because after all, I have my reasons, right, for why I made that decision or that choice. I have my excuses. I have my lies. I have my rationalization, right? So I can see right through your blaming and I can see right through your excuses. But what he's saying is be careful because you can be blind to your own. And there's nothing more dangerous than self-deception. Like the most dangerous form of irresponsibility is the kind that I don't acknowledge or see because I deceive myself into believing that somehow or another I am responsible and if I continue to deceive myself into believing that I'm the most responsible person and everybody else is irresponsible, then what will happen is I will continue to sow seeds that lead to my own demise. So how do we keep this from happening? Well, notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse 4. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So the Apostle Paul says... You're responsible to make sure that you don't deceive yourself. And the way that you do that is you test your own actions. You take a good, hard look in the mirror at yourself 
and test your motives, your behavior. Make sure that you're sowing God-honoring behavior and actions and you have God-honoring motives in your life. In other words, you should look at all the big choices in your life. You should be looking at all the small choices in your life that you're making and ask the question that we gave you last week, and that is this. When it comes to this area of my life, as I'm making this choice, as I'm making this decision, am I being responsible to God and others really? Am I being responsible to God and others really in this area of my life? And don't make the mistake, he says, of measuring your responsibility by the people around you. Like he says, do not judge whether you're responsible by comparing yourself to other, body, to other people, to somebody else. See, we all tend to do that, don't we? Like, well, compared to that person, I'm this. So he says, if you do that, you're going to fall in this trap of self-deception because here's the reality. If you look around, you can always find somebody that you think is more irresponsible than you. You can always justify your irresponsibility by saying things like, well, at least I don't live my life or at least I don't do like this person do. At least I don't do that. See, here's why this is so important. When you compare yourself to others, and the Apostle Paul, he tells us in another passage of Scripture, he says, they that compare themselves to others is not wise. And the reason he says that there and why he says don't compare yourself to someone else here is here, and you might want to write this down. Comparison blinds us to our own issues. Comparison blinds us to our own issues. Every time you compare yourself to somebody else, you are being blinded to your own issues. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, you need to focus on you before you focus on everybody else. In fact, notice what he also goes on to say in verse 5. He says, for each one should carry their own load. In other words, he's like, don't go around pointing out other people's irresponsibility unless you are doing a great job of carrying your daily load because this load, this burden here, is the idea of daily responsibility. So he says, so make sure you're fulfilling your responsibilities to God and others before you try to start telling other people that they are irresponsible. And then here's why that even matters more. He starts off in verse, the next verse. He says, do not be deceived. There's that warning again. And the reason he says this multiple times in this passage is because it's so easy to fall in the, sta- in the, in the trap of self-deception. So he goes on. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now, here's the thing. If we're all honest with ourselves, we've all tried to mock God. And what mocking God is means you try to outwit or you try to outsmart God. So mocking God is when you say something like, God may have warned us against doing that. God may have said there's consequences for these certain actions or certain behaviors if I do them. But I think I'm smart enough to get away with it. Like those rules may apply to everybody else, but not to me. I am the exception to the rule. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, mocking God your parent, or mocking your teachers, like you may have been able to pull this thing off on your parents or your teachers, but you can't fool God. God cannot be mocked because this principle of sowing and reaping is just like the Archimedes principle. It is always true. Now, the reason that we think we can mock God, another reason we think we can mock God is because the consequence of sowing and reaping doesn't happen in the moment that we sow it. 
So you put your boat in the water, you know if it's going to float or sink. You throw a rock in the water, you know if it's going to float or sink. But sowing and reaping, we think we can mock God because I can be violating what God has said toward him and toward other people, and I get away with it. Nothing in my life crashes that day. And so we think we're getting away with it. But he says, here's the bottom line, last part of the verse. A man reaps what he sows. Literally, what the Apostle Paul is saying to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that there is a relationship between the choices that you make today and the life that you will experience tomorrow. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, I made a choice. It wasn't a good choice yesterday, but it didn't affect my life the next day. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Tomorrow doesn't necessarily mean the next day. It could be five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. There is a relationship between the choices that you make today and the life that you experience tomorrow. Now, here's the thing. It's not immediate. It's not instant. But it is guaranteed. You will reap what you sow. Folks, this is always true. And here's the thing you also have to understand. When you start getting to that place where you're reaping what you sowed and it's a negative kind of way, no amount of confession, no amount of good deeds are going to change the harvest. Like future good deeds will not erase past wrongs that you did in your life, things past sowing that you did. Future remorse it's not going to erase present sowing. God's forgiveness is available for every sin that we commit. But the thing that the Apostle Paul is warning is, but that doesn't cancel all the consequences in this life. And sometimes by God's grace, man, we, we don't have the full measure of the consequences. And that's a blessing from God. But that's not necessarily always going to happen. So while all of those things, confession of our sin, honoring God with our lives, you know, in this present situation, in our future is so important. And those things are necessary to change your future, but they do not erase or cancel out irresponsible choices that you make today. The Apostle Paul is saying that is a principle of life. It's just how life works. You reap what you sow. And the Apostle Paul says you need to understand not only do you reap what you sow, but in the next part of this passage, he tells us something else. Let me give it to you, and then we'll explain it. He says that you reap later, and you reap greater than you sow. This is his warning. He says, you reap later, and you reap greater. In fact, here's how he says it. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. So he's saying, you're going to reap later, and you're going to reap greater. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He's saying you're going to reap later and you're going to reap greater. And so that means that your choices today, they create consequences tomorrow that come with compound interest. Don't miss that. They come with compound interest. You're always going to reap later and you're always going to reap greater. And I'm telling you folks, this is the hardest part to accept this is the emotional part. This is the hardest part to hear because it doesn't feel fair and it doesn't feel balanced what I'm about to tell you. See, if you make responsible choices, what the Apostle Paul is saying is your future will be exponentially better than you feel like you deserve based upon your choices. Notice he says, whoever sows to the, 
to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He's like, you're going, and this eternal life is not just a qual, a eternal life for all eternity, but a quality of life in our relationship with God here and now. And you've seen people who have honored God with their lives and, and honored other people with their lives, and they get older in their life, and all of a sudden they're saying, man, I am blessed beyond anything I deserve. I can't believe how blessed I am. This is crazy how much God blesses me. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, you're going to reap later, and you're going to reap gre- gre- reap greater. It's going to be exponentially more. And that's why some people feel like, man, God has blessed me way beyond what I ever imagined. But the other thing is, he's also saying in this passage is this, if you make irresponsible choices, then your future will be exponentially harder than you feel like you deserve based upon your choices. Like you're going to look back on your life one day and go, I only did this to violate God's law and I only did this to violate other people. And it wasn't nearly as much as what I'm reaping. Like the consequences are so much greater. They're exponential and it's not fair that I'm reaping all this. See, here's the thing he's saying. If you take a a pickup truck load of soybeans and plant them in a field, you're going to haul 10 semi loads out. That's true whether it's good or bad. He's saying you're going to reap a harvest that's so much greater than what you ever could imagine. For example, if you're irresponsible with your money and you get into debt, once you decide, oh, I'm going to be responsible with my money, your debt doesn't magically disappear, does it? And you can't even pay back what you borrowed and be free and clear. No, what you have to do is you have to pay back more than you borrowed because there was debt or there's interest on your irresponsibility. But you know what? That's true in every area of your life. If you are irresponsible with your marriage and you have an affair, listen, you just can't undo that and pay that off quickly. Like you don't get to say, well, the affair, it only lasted three months. So I'm going to pay the price for three months and then it's over. No, 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 no. You're going to deal with the consequences of that choice for the rest of your life. Or how about this one? If you marry irresponsibly, and then one day, yeah, somebody's been there. And then one day, you find yourself frustrated because your marriage isn't what you hoped it would be because you chose to overlook things that were warning signs and you chose to violate God's command of purity and the sanctity of marriage before you got married. See, and I'm sure your spouse was probably playing part of a role and part of the problem, but here's the thing, so are you. Because either you asked them to marry you or you said yes to the proposal. Either way, you made a choice. You picked them. And now... You're reaping the choice that you made back then. But you know what? Here's the thing. When we talk about this, about sowing and reaping, none of us like that. And and we sure don't want to take responsibility for it. So you know what we do when we find ourselves reaping what we've sown? You know what we do? We blame God. We get mad at God. We say, God let us down. But it's not God's fault. God loves you so much that he warns you in advance. You are going to reap what you sow, but he doesn't just warn you in advance that you're going to reap what you sow. He says you are going to reap exponentially more than what you sow. In fact, God loves you so much that he made you aware of this principle that we reap later than we sow and we reap greater than we sow. So what more can God do? So don't blame him. He's not arbitrarily choosing to make you suffer more than somebody else. He's not saying, hey, this boat floats, but this boat sinks. No, no, no. You reap 
what you sow. It's how it works for everybody. So here's where this gets really personal. If there's any area of your life that's not where you want it to be, it's because you have sown yourself there. If there's any area not where you want it or where you should be in your relationship with God, with other people, you're, you're responsible. You have to take responsibility for that. Sure, maybe there were some other choices or circumstances that other people made that led to some of the problem, but your choices ultimately determine the outcome of your life. So that leads to this kind of question. Then what do I do? What do I do? I'm not where I want to be. What do I do? I've created a mess with my choices, and now the consequences, they're starting to catch up with me. I'm reaping later and greater what do I do? Well, there's two things that you can begin to do starting today. First one is you ask yourself this question. What is my part of the problem? You, you, you got this whole argument that you always use, you know, this blaming everybody else for why you're where you're at. You tell everybody else it's somebody else's fault for all of you, all your issues. The apostle Paul would say, stop. That is being irresponsible. In fact, as we said last week, you can't blame your way into a better future. You have got to own your choices. You have got to say, yeah, other people made bad choices, but I made bad choices too. You've got to own your part of the problem. You need to admit your choices contributed to where you are at. And I know some of you are sitting there going, but it is so unfair that that choice I made a year ago or that choice I made five years ago or that choice I made 10 years ago or 15 years ago is still impacting my life today. But that's how this principle works. People reap what they sow and they always reap in a different season. That's later. And they always reap greater. So first of all, you need to own your choices. You're part of the problem. The second thing equally is important and that is this. Make the choices you should have been making all along. Now, here's the thing. This won't necessarily erase the consequences that you're experiencing right now, but will help you avoid them in the future. It will help you to keep from repeating all the past mistakes that have led to the consequences that you're, make, that you're experiencing right now. See, what happens is it's like we get to this next season of our life and our marriage is not where we want it to be. And all of a sudden we realize, man, I'm praying the paying the price for having sex with a previous partner, and you can't change that. But you can do the right thing with your sexuality from this point forward. Like, you're not paying, or you're paying the price, I should say it this way, you're paying the price right now today for not managing your money well. And guess what? Going through financial peace, which everybody should, and creating a budget, which everybody should, I mean, that doesn't make all of your irresponsibility in the past disappear, but it can really ensure that you won't be in the hole like you are right now, five years from now. So here's the thing that you have to understand, and this is the good news. This principle, people reap what they sow. It can be such a disadvantage to you if you sow irresponsibility. But, and this is what God wants for all of you, it can be such an advantage if you sow responsibly. Jesus came, lived, died, rose again. He died on the cross so that you could experience eternal life, a quality of life and a relationship with him, him here and now and for all of eternity. And that's what he wants. He wanted it so bad for you that he died on the cross and he rode, rose again to prove that he was God in human flesh. Now, here's how the Apostle Paul wraps this up. This is his encouragement to us. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Literally, he's saying, you want to reap exponentially better 
than what you've ever sown? He says, then keep sowing God-honoring actions in all of the things that you do, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with other people. You want a better financial future? Do the next right thing financially starting today. You want a better marriage? Do the next right thing to honor God and your spouse starting today. You want a better career? Do the next right thing in your job by honoring God and working with excellence and, and going the second mile. And man, you want to be a better person in general? You want your spiritual life to flourish? Well, then you do the next right thing to invest in yourself spiritually today, right? You do that because you're going to reap what you sow. And the great news is you are going to reap better than you deserve because we reap later and greater. Now, before we wrap up, I just want to talk to all of you who are 30 and under or right around 30. Let's just say 35 and under. How about that? Okay. Because you know all the people um, who are 50 and older like me are thinking? I wish I had heard that when I was 20 or 30. But here's the deal. They probably did. Because it's been in the Bible all the time. And I'm sure somebody told them about it. They just ignored it. And, and they were just like you. They were tempted to ignore it like you're tempted to ignore it now. And many of them did. And they're going, oh, I wish I'd apply. I listened to that. Instead of saying, I wish I'd have heard it, now they're going, I wish I'd applied that. So my challenge to you, if you're younger, make sure that you're smarter than my generation was. See, you can either be learn from the mistakes of my generation or your mistakes can be an example for the next generation. And I'm just going to tell you, your life will be so much easier if you learn from my generation's mistakes. In fact, that's one of the reasons, as we talked about at the beginning of this talk, while we're giving the opportunity for you to look at the different ministry areas that we have trainings in in August, because our mission, as I said, is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus so they can avoid the mistakes that lead to devastating outcomes in their life. So here's what happens. Whenever you serve on one of our teams, I mean, this is such a big deal. When you serve on one of our teams, you're helping carry each other's burdens. And for some people, you're helping them recover from their mistakes and create a better future um, for their life and their family. For other people, especially children and students, you're helping them to avoid some of the mistakes that have led to some of the regret that many people are experiencing in their older age of life. And so here's the thing. As we move forward from today, let's, let's help carry each other's burdens and don't ignore this principle. So what do we do? As we all leave here, here's what I would tell you. My challenge to you is take responsibility for the past and be responsible in the present. Start sowing God-honoring thoughts, actions, behaviors in your life. Do that today. See, that's the only way that you're going to create a future that is better than your past. It's the only way that you're going to experience that quality of eternal life that the Apostle Paul promised. So you take responsibility of your past. So you confess your sins to God. You confess your sin against God. You confess your sin against others. You say you're sorry. You make restitution where you can. Like whatever you have to do to clear up your accounts, do that the best you can. And then start being responsible today. Do the responsible thing because people reap what they sow. It's a principle of life that will always be true for you. So you own your choices and you're part of the problem, and then you make the God-earning choices that you should have been making all along. Because here's the thing. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. That's a quality of life here and now and a relationship with God for eternity that is exponentially better than anything you could ever imagine. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this truth. 
God, there are parts of it that are so hard to hear. There are other parts of it that just thrill our soul. Because all of a sudden we realize that, God, you love us so much that you say that you're going to bless us beyond anything that we could ever provide for ourselves if we sow to the Spirit. So help us today to commit ourselves to being fully devoted followers of you, Jesus, that we will say, God, I'm going to honor you in all of my ways, and I'm going to honor people. I'm just going to love the way that you've called me to love. And God, I understand that as I sow to the Spirit, man, the harvest one day is going to be so much better than I could ever imagine. So God, we need your Holy Spirit's power to help us do that. But today we commit to lean in and allow you to lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for being with us. You don't want to miss next week as we wrap up this series and take communion together. We'll see you then.